You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. Welcome to episode 22 of the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast. Man, how have we already had that many episodes? I did a quick uh, little calculation on my phone just now. That's five and a half months of podcast every week for five and a half months. It does not seem like that. Like It seems like I'm still getting my feet wet, still brand new. I guess kind of in the grand scheme of things, I am still brand new. But, uh, man, I've learned a lot. Uh, it's so awesome that I'm still out here doing this. That means you guys are enjoying it and listening to it, which is very encouraging for me uh, because I got a lot ahead. And, yeah, I just want to keep going. So I'm glad you guys are enjoying this. Uh, not too much to update with you guys with. Uh, it's been typical spring. It's been raining a whole lot. Um, I actually had some family stuff fall through this last Saturday and, uh, I wanted to go to the lake, but the wind was blowing like 25 miles an hour and I just didn't feel like fighting the waves. And so I actually, uh, just hung around the house and did some honeydews. Um, and, uh, but I do plan on getting some stuff done this coming weekend. Uh, as long as there's not a lake, it's raining right now, but I think it's supposed to clear up later in the week. And so as long as it's not too crazy muddy, uh, I hope to get out and do a few things. I think my plan is to basically do the prep work for my spring food plots. Um, uh, it's it's not too late, but it's going to be too late pretty quick if I don't get on this. And so uh, my plan is to basically go out and you know spray the weeds. Um, one of our plots, we planted it last year when it was pretty wet, and it just made these gigantic ruts. Uh, I mean, like so big that I actually went across it to fertilize it and I was going across the ruts and it like I bounced so hard that the tractor tire came off the rim because I hit such a big rut. And so uh, I was going to disc the field, even though I'm not a big fan of disking. I, like we have a no-till drill. I wanted to just use that. Um, but we actually have a dozer up there right now. And so my plan, instead of going and disking the entire field is to just run the dozer over those ruts to kind of smooth them out, uh, make it easier for us to get in there and get the tractor in there and everything. 
And so that's my goal for this coming weekend is to kind of get those leveled off, um, possibly spray. I'm not sure if I'm going to have enough time to spray. Uh, if I can't get it done, hopefully my brother can spray. And then probably the following weekend after that, so two weeks, um, my wife is going out of town. And so I'm probably going to head back up there and hopefully, you know, do all the planting, uh, all the prep work. I still have some some trees I want to cut and stuff like that. Most of my setups are pretty good, like, you know, my feeder setups and all that stuff. Um, I have one that I'm definitely going to move, and I have one that I need to... I never got the feeder pin around it, and... Man, I like. I think I got maybe five deer pictures there all year because all of our other feeders were fenced except for this one, and so that was the only one that the hogs could get to. And so, I mean, the hogs just owned it, and we hunted a few times. We shot some hogs, but they just, like I said, that was the only feeder they could get to, so they kept coming back to it. So, uh, so yeah, I need to fence that one. I got one other one that I'm going to move, and uh, you know, really as far as like preseason prep. Uh, this year's pretty easy for me. I did a lot of work last year. Uh, my brother and I did, and uh, we kind of finally got things up and going uh, at you know his place, kind of our newer property. And so, yeah, I don't have a ton of spring work to do, which is nice. I I wanted to do a lot more habitat habitat work this spring, but it just didn't work out with the new job. I moved, uh, just all kinds of crazy stuff. So I didn't get as much of that stuff done as I wanted to. Um, but you know, hopefully I'll kind of finish up all of the, the big ticket items this year, as far as, you know, blinds and food plots and all that good stuff. And then next spring, I'm hoping that basically just all I have to do really is some habitat work and, you know, some upkeep. So, so yeah, that's my plan for the next, uh, weekend or two. Hopefully, uh, I'll just, uh, hopefully, uh, we're done with the rain. It's been pretty ridiculous. I lost count of, you know, how much rain we've had in the past you know, two, three weeks. I last I counted, we were at seven inches and that was before this last, uh, last big, or really two rainstorms we've had. And so we're probably around like 10 to 12 inches in the last, I don't know, three, four weeks, something like that. And so, but you know, it's just that time of year. That's what happens. That makes everything grow. So not going to complain about it too much, but uh, it's just annoying because like I've said before, it only wants to do this on the weekends. But as of right now, this weekend's supposed to be clear. So I don't want to jinx it. Well, let's get, uh, let's get on with it today. Um, I want to talk about firepower. Uh, you know, we're going to cover basically all the weapons that you use to hunt. Uh, we're going to talk about archery, muzzle loaders, rifles, um, you know, I've, I listen to a lot of podcasts, or I have in the past, hunting podcasts, and you don't really hear people talking about their their firearms and their bows and stuff much. I, I would say bows get a little more attention because just in the hardcore whitetail hunting circle, like so many people bow hunt, so you have some bow talk, uh, but I feel like you hear almost no rifle talk. Um, and, you know, if you think about it, like a lot of the Midwest where, you know, a lot of the whitetail content comes from, a lot of those states don't even have rifle seasons. They just, you know, there's so many people and the track uh, land, you know, land track sizes, however you want to say that, uh, are so small that they don't allow rifle hunting. It's either a bow or, you know, shotgun muzzleloader or something like that. Some of the, some of the closer range stuff. And so I do want to talk about, you know, archery, muzzleloaders. And then at the end, we are going to talk about rifles. Um, I have a lot of experience with rifles. I love rifles. I'm a big bolt action guy. Um, I think I've I've talked about it in the past, maybe on the hog episode about like, I, I'm just not super big on ARs. I have some, they're fun, 
but I'm a much bigger fan of bolt actions, and so I want to spend some time on that. So, And I should also mention real quick, the reason I want to do this now is because I feel like now is the time, or hopefully is the time people are kind of thinking about what they're going to be hunting with come this fall, be it bow, rifle, muzzleloader, whatever that is. And I feel like... Like now is when you need to be doing your shopping, basically, because you need that time to find it, especially, you know, in the uh, the post-pandemic world where firearms can be hard to find um, and all kinds of manufacturing is behind. Uh, you know, it's probably better to get on it, but also you want to have that time to, to get comfortable with it, especially if you're buying a new bow. Like bows, just they just take more time and effort into tuning. Um, so yeah, that's part of the reason I want to do this is because I want to be ahead of the curve. I want y'all thinking about this stuff and doing some shopping before all of a sudden season shows and you're like, oh man, like I needed a new rifle or a bow or something or other or whatever, you know, like, um, so that's one thing that I'm really trying to do with this podcast is like be kind of ahead of the curve, talk about things before you need them. And so that's the reason I chose to do this, uh, this weapon podcast right here in the spring. So all right, enough with the yammering. Let's get into today's episode about weapons. All right, we're going to start things off with archery equipment. And the first one we're going to talk about is the good old compound bow. Probably the most popular thing there is out there for archery hunters is the compound bow. And I guess the, the biggest thing I have to say about that is, in my personal opinion, I don't think... Uh, you have to have the craziest, most expensive bow out there. Um, there are some people who love that. That's what they live for. Personally, I'm not one of those. Um, in fact, I would feel way more comfortable with a you know lower-tier bow than I would a lower-tier rifle, actually. Um, and I guess, like, bows, yes, you know, some of the materials and stuff are complicated, but when it comes down to it, bows are fairly simple. You know, they have... The riser, the limbs, and the string. Like that's, you know, there's all kinds of different uh, materials and stuff that go into it and lengths and sizes. But when it comes down to it, like those are the basic components. And so, uh, you know, I think the the hunting public guys, I'm sure most of you have heard of, they did like a Walmart challenge for archery. And they went to Walmart and I think the bow they bought was like $250, bought some arrows and stuff, took it to an archery shop, had it tuned, and then went out and killed a deer with it. And so, obviously, you know, you can always find something cheaper, whatever. Uh, you know, if you do spend more money, you probably are going to get a nicer product. You're probably going to get it faster, smoother, all that good stuff. Um, but I just, I'm just not as passionate about a brand new bow as I am, like, a rifle, muzzleloader, that stuff. Um, you know, I think my tip, if you're out there and you're looking for a new bow, is one of two things. Either buy a last year's model um you know bows that's, that's another interesting thing about the the bow world and just kind of our culture is like we're always wanting the newest model and we always want a new model and uh you know like just the technology doesn't go that fast you know i think i think it did for a while you know about five years five to ten years ago you know i think they were making these huge leaps but i think those huge leaps are kind of done at least for now and so, you know, just because, you know, I'm just going to throw a random name out there. Let's say the Tootsie Roll bow. Let's say the Tootsie Roll bow, uh, you know, shot 310 feet per second or whatever. Well, then this new model comes out and it's the Tootsie Roll 2 and it shoots 335. Like, 
big whoop, you know, to a point. Like, there's just really not that big of a difference. And so you can save a lot of money by buying one model older bow. Um, and then these, it kind of rolls into buying a used bow. Um, I, the first, like, kind of, quote, nice bow I ever bought, I bought from a person who they were that person. They had to have the new model every year. And so they would shoot a bow for a year. The next model would come out. They'd sell the old one, and they'd get the new one. Well, I took advantage of that, and I bought the old one from this guy. And I had a very slightly used one-year, like, still top-of-the-line bow. Um, and so it worked out great for me. And it could work out great for you. I guess that's what I'm saying. And so, like, if you're in the market for a new bow, um, you know, look for deals like that. Go to go to an archery shop. Uh, if they don't have any, talk to the guy. Like, people go in there all the time asking if they can, you know, buy, sell, trade. And so, you know, give the guy your number. Kind of tell him what you're looking for. And if he sees something coming in the shop, he can give you a call. Uh, but, I mean, most archery shops are going to have some used bows there, too. Uh, if you do want to go top of the line, I have nothing against that. Like, go for it. If that's your thing or if you can afford it, you might as well. Um, there's a ton of good options out there to now. Um, and that's, like I was kind of saying earlier, like, they're all good. Uh, you know, Hoyt, Matthews, Elite, Prime, like, all. you know, you could just keep naming and keep naming. They're all going to be good bows. A lot of it just comes down to perf- personal preference. Um, and that would be my other tip go to a place where you can actually shoot these bows. You know, um, I know people like to order stuff online now, but a bow is just not something you want to order online. Like you really want to be able to touch it, feel it, shoot it, uh, and just see how it feels. Because, you know, if you have a top of the line Matthews and a top of the line Hoyt, just, you know, just to throw two names out there, they're probably going to be within a hundred dollars of the same price it just comes down to which one you like more. And so I really recommend going to a place where you can try it. Um, one kind of, I don't know if you want to call this a pro tip. It's not my tip. I'm not a pro, but something I heard recently is uh, your bow will shoot better at its highest weight uh, limit. So if you buy a 50 to 60 pound bow, it's going to shoot better at 60 than it is at 50. And so whatever, you know, whatever weight you're kind of looking for, make sure that that's going to be the upper end of your bow and not the lower. And so if you want to shoot 60, buy a 50-60 bow, not a 60-70 bow because it's going to shoot better. Um, kind of on that same topic, you do not have to pull back 95 pounds like Joe Rogan to shoot a bow. You just don't. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there killing deer with 45 pounds. Um, I, and you know, I haven't listened to my own, um, to my own tip yet. Uh, right now I'm shooting 65 pounds because I just, that's what I've shot for a while and I've liked it. Now, that being said, I probably am going to bump it up to 70 because I just recently learned that whole thing about the, you want it, you know, at the top, you know, as fat or as, as powerful as the bow can be set because it shoots better. And so I need to actually get myself to an archery shop to get my bow turned up. Um, but like, to be honest with you, like I'm not looking forward to shooting 70. Like I just, it's just, I don't feel like I need it and it's not quite as comfortable. Um, but I'm basically just doing that because I don't want to buy a new bow and I want it to shoot better. So, so I'm probably going to be bumping it up to 70 just because, uh, my last tip, and this goes for all of the archery stuff, uh, whether it be compound, traditional, crossbow, it doesn't matter. Don't go cheap on broadheads. Uh, I've been guilty of this 
you know, everybody goes out, they spend all their money on this bow, they get arrows, sight, quiver, you know, all that stuff. They spend all this money, and then you get down to, like, what's actually going to do the damage. Like, the whole point of this whole thing is for you to kill an animal, and people go skimp on broadheads. And again, I used to do this too. I just kind of learned the mistake of my ways a few years ago and started buying nicer ones. And uh, I actually, uh, this is kind of a funny story. I might've told this one before. Um, I had some old cheap broadheads that I'd bought two deer hunt with, uh, you know, several years before. And I was trying to get rid of them. And so I had them on my hog arrows. I always keep like older arrows and stuff to shoot hogs with. And uh, this big old boar comes walking out, drawback. And this is the, the same bow I'm shooting now, 65 pounds. It's a Matthews Triax. And uh, drawback, this hog's at like 15 yards or so, big boar. Shoot it, perfect shot behind the shoulder. And the broadhead didn't even go all the way in, much less the arrow. And the hog literally like took a few steps. The arrow hit a, a little sapling, fell out, and the hog just kept eating. Like, he didn't even run away. <laughs> and then I pulled out, like, you know, that kind of made me mad. So then I pulled out a good arrow, you know, one of my deer arrows. Same distance, same setup, same shot, and got a pass-through on this hog. And so the only difference there was the broadhead. So don't skimp on the broadheads. Um, moving into traditional, still under the archery deal. Um, you know, I my goal this year is to shoot a deer, any deer, with my recurve, you know, it doesn't have to be a buck, doesn't have to be a big buck. Uh, more than likely, it's just going to be a doe. Um, but my goal is to shoot a deer with a recurve. I'm not going to say I'm experienced enough to really give tips. Um, if you're looking to get into traditional archery, I actually have a guest. Uh, I'm trying to get lined up right now to talk about traditional archery stuff. And so that's part of the reason I don't want to talk about it too much because I'd much rather you guys uh, listen to the expert crossbows is also on my list and it's another one that i'm not going to talk too awful much about i'll be honest i have never actually fired a crossbow i have nothing nothing against them i actually owned one for a little while i got one as a, a present for my grandma a long time ago um but a buddy of mine uh actually got injured he injured his ribs and couldn't pull his bow back and so I let him borrow the crossbow and it actually got stolen from his hunting lease. And so even though I owned one, I've never actually shot one. I have nothing against crossbows. Like I said, um, I think they are a great way to get new hunters involved. I think they're a great way for, you know, states like ours where they have very short rifle seasons or gun seasons. Crossbows are a great way for people to extend their season. I know there's a lot of people out there who hate crossbows and say they're cheating and stuff like that. I don't really hold to that. Um, like I said, I think they're a great tool to get people uh, interested in the sport. I think they're a great way to get people out in the woods. And, you know, they're legal, so why not? Uh, you know, the biggest argument I have, I guess, for crossbows, even though I don't use one, is, like, they're legal, so you can use one too. Like, you know, just because you don't like other people doing it doesn't mean you should argue with them or yell at them or say whatever. Like, uh, they're here to stay. Um, so yeah, I'm actually pretty interested in crossbows. Like I said, somebody's got a cousin out there, send me one. Um, and yeah, like, I just think they'd be fun. I'd, I'd love to try it, um, get a little bit more extended range. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be cool just to play around with one. And so, so yeah, I don't have any like tips or anything on crossbows, but, uh, I just wanted to save my piece on that and, and just say like, you know, we as hunters should be supporting 
all types of hunting, all legal types of hunting. And so whether you hunt with a crossbow or not, or you think they should be outlawed, it doesn't matter. They are legal. And just like I said, as hunters, we need to be supporting each other in our endeavors. All right, advancing the technology just a little bit, we're going to move on to muzzleloaders. And I have a love-hate relationship with muzzleloaders. My biggest buck to date was taken with a muzzleloader. And so that got me all high on them. I actually didn't own one. I was borrowing one. Um, and then I just never had a big urge to have a muzzleloader. I don't know why. The property that I've been talking about so much, it always felt like the rut was a little later. And so you almost had a better chance during rifle season. Um, and I just felt like the muzzleloader wasn't going to give me that much advantage. It wasn't until I started hunting this new property that I really started looking into it because even though the properties are only 30 miles apart, it seems like the rut on my brother's uh, property is a lot earlier. And so that's when I started thinking about the muzzleloader because it's like, man, basically getting to, uh, have two gun ruts. And so, so started looking into muzzleloaders. Uh, I had one picked out that I wanted, and I don't know if Corona set them back or if there's not popular enough around here or what, but I could not find one, uh, this one that I had picked out. And so basically it came down to uh, like the week before muzzleloader season, mistake number one, um, and I didn't have one. And I was talking to a buddy of mine, or actually I called him because I knew that uh, I thought he had one. He had bought one several years ago. Turns out he had, it had been sitting in his closet for like 11 years. I told him I'd give him 100 bucks for it, which he took that uh, right away because he had no use for it. And so I uh, went and picked up this muzzleloader from him. Uh, I had a lot of trouble just finding the stuff. Like, you know, this is kind of, the ammo shortage has already kind of started happening. Uh, I had trouble finding like powder and bullets and stuff because I think just, I think all the companies were more interested in putting out real bullets as opposed to muzzleloader stuff because it's less popular. Um, so it took me a few days to find that. I finally get ready to shoot it, and for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem like it's working out. Uh, and then I actually found out I needed like another little thing in order to put the primer in before I could shoot it. And so went around to a couple different places. None of them had it. Uh, I ended up finding some on eBay Ordered them on eBay, paid for the express shipping, and they actually showed up at my house uh, the Saturday muzzleloader season opened. So, you know, the mistakes continued. I went out, I shot it that day, sighted it in. Uh, I, like, I was just waiting on that one piece. I had everything else, so I already had a scope on the gun and everything. I had it ready to go. Uh, got those pieces in, went out, sighted it in. I shot it, I want to say like eight times. Uh, I got it sighted in. I think I sighted it in at 75, and then I went up and shot it at like 40, you know, just in case the deer came in close to kind of see where it hit. And uh, basically took it to the woods, um, hunted with it that evening. Uh, that night I did give it a good th – actually, no, before I went hunting that evening, like after I shot it, before I went hunting, I gave it a good thorough, thorough cleaning. Uh, I had already cleaned it when I got it from him because, you know, just been sitting in the closet for, like I said, a long time. And uh, so this is kind of where my tips are going to start coming in. Uh, clean that sucker. Clean that sucker because that deer, or that deer, that gun, that muzzleloader cost me two deer in five days during muzzleloader. Um, I think on Monday, I think we got uh, a bunch of rain. And so I got to go hunt Monday afternoon. Had a nice 10 point. It would have been my third biggest buck ever. He came in to... 
20 yards. Like he was right there. I was actually kind of kicking myself for not bringing my bow also. Um, but the night before I, uh, I can't remember why, but I, I didn't think I was going to get to hunt that week. That's what it was. I had hunted the weekend and I didn't think I was going to get to hunt. And so Sunday evening I shot the gun to unload it and I didn't clean it. Well, the next day I get hunting. I have this beautiful 10 point at 20 yards. I pull the trigger. I hear a pop. I lower the gun. And as I'm lowering the gun, bang goes off. Had a big delayed fire. Didn't even come close to touching the buck. And uh, I've learned the hard way, like, clean that gun, even if you only shoot it one time. Clean that gun, because even the smallest amount of powder in there or residue or whatever can cause you to have a misfire. And uh, and I had to watch that buck run away. And so, anyway, so I was obviously very mad at that. Went home, cleaned it really good. Um, Friday I was back out there and I saw a buck that I had seen three times, uh, that week. Uh, it would have been my second biggest buck. And I'm sure uh, if you want to hear all the, you know, the full story of all this, you can go back in one of my first episodes. I talked about uh, my deer season success and talked about this. Um, but a big O I, I, he was 12 point had forks, all kinds of big buck came in and he came to about 40 yards and, uh, had the muzzleloader again, shot. Uh, I I feel like I felt a little bit of a delay. I might be making that up, um, but long story short, ended up hitting the deer low in the opposite leg. Um, deer lived. It did live. I got trail, picture, trail cam pictures of it later. It's, I think all the way into definitely December. I think I might have got one of them in January. Um, so the deer's still alive, luckily. Um, uh, but I just, guys, I was not comfortable enough with that weapon. Um, you know, I, I was used to rifles. I've shot rifles all along. I was like, this thing's, you know, it's got a trigger and a scope. I'm good. I don't need to practice. Uh, but I was not ready to be shooting at live targets, uh, with that gun. And so again, that's part of the reason I'm talking about this stuff now, because if you're going to get into muzzle loading or you're going to get into archery or whatever, go buy your stuff right now so you can be practicing with it. Uh, that gun, I already sold that gun. I don't want it anymore. I had too many bad memories. I don't trust it. That is the big part, big thing for me. Like I want to trust what I'm taking into the woods and I did not trust that gun. And so I'm currently doing some more research. I'm probably going to end up buying another muzzle loader, even though I have a bad taste in my mouth. Um, it's a man, it's, it's fun. It's, and it's a great weapon. Like that muzzle loader season is awesome. You know, it's usually the last week of October kind of covers that Halloween area. And, uh, man, that can be a really good time to, uh, to tag a deer. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, clean your muzzle loader practice with it practice with it at different distances um like i remember when i borrowed that muzzle litter for the, for my biggest buck that guy my buddy he had that thing dialed he said this hash mark is 50 this hash mark is 100 this one's 125 this one's 150 like he knew exactly how that gun shot uh and because of that i got you know a nice buck out of it and so yeah clean your gun practice with it and keep it dry especially you know if you're going to be hunting in the rain or it's damp um, either load it when you get into your blind or tree stand. Uh, you could do the old, uh, balloon over the barrel trick, keep water from running down it. Uh, just make sure you keep it dry because if that powder gets wet, you're going to have a mess on your hand and you also might miss a buck, which I did twice. So, <laughs> so yeah, those are my muzzleloader tips. 
Get a gun, learn it, keep it clean. Now we've come to the time that I've been waiting for. You guys might have been waiting for it too. And we're going to talk about rifles. And I have a lot to talk about here. And so I'm going to try and organize it the best I can. It might seem like it's going to be a little all over the place, but uh, there's just a lot to cover. So I want to talk about calibers. I want to talk about kind of how many guns I've owned now. Not necessarily how many total, but uh, I've in the last couple of years, I've been transitioning out of a whole bunch of rifles down to just a few, and I'll explain why in a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about, you know, some accessories, some things you can do to make your uh, gun more accurate, and everything like that. So, so piece one we're going to look at first is calibers. And for this conversation, I'm going to be kind of excluding the 22. Like, the 22 is just its own thing. They're fun. Everybody should have a 22. So I'm kind of like, yes, you should have a 22, but I'm going to exclude that from this rifle category. And I'm talking about like hunting rifles, uh, and more specifically, you know, to this area, Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, Kansas, you know, this area. Um, for me, I think if I'm looking at what I'm hunting in this area, uh, I think the lowest I'm going to go is a 243, most likely, and the highest I'm going to go is the good old 300 Win Mag. Now, I own a bunch of guns in between and all over the place, um, or I have in the past. Um, I will throw this out there. I have a 22250 that I bought when I was 18 years old, and to this day, it was it is one of the funnest, most accurate guns that I own. Um, if I'm going like coyote hunting or just kind of plink, like that's probably the gun I'm going to grab. But uh, as much as I hate to admit, it's probably a little small for you know if you're going to be like a one guy gun or a couple gun guy. It's a great gun, but and and to be completely honest, I would feel comfortable with my gun shooting a deer, but I probably wouldn't recommend it to a whole lot of people because, you know, you just don't have that extra power for accidents or, you know, bad shots. Um, you know, I think if you put a great shot on a deer, a twenty two fifty would take a deer down. I personally have never done it. I know people who have. Um, it's a great gun, but I just don't think it's quite built for like a deer rifle, uh, you know, deer hogs, that kind of thing. 243, I, uh, I actually do not personally own a 243, but my family owns 243s. I've hunted with 243s quite a few times. Um, I think it's a great round, um, especially for whitetail. Uh, if you're like solely a deer hunter, I don't think there's anything wrong with just owning 243. Um, when I lived in Idaho, I knew several people who hunted elk with 243. Actually, um, you know, they knew they couldn't shoot quite as far. They knew they had to put a good shot, but they had done it successfully. I actually, um, I got a 300 when I moved to Idaho because coming from the south, like I thought you had to, like I thought that was like bare minimum for elk. You know, being a young, uh, influenced by TV type, you know, hunter. And uh, actually, the first time I pulled my 300 out of the case, my buddies made fun of me for it. And they were like, what are you trying to do, blow elk in half? And so, that being said, if I was going elk in a day, I would take my 300 Win Mag. Um, but I'm just saying, you don't have to have that large of a gun. Um, so, 243 is a great round. Um, 308, I absolutely love the 308. Um, if I had like, If I had to sell all my guns, and for whatever reason, they said I was allowed to own one gun... It would probably be a 308 because you have that knockdown power. You know, you, it's a great elk gun. A lot of people use it elk hunting, but it's still not really overkill for a whitetail, hogs, 
even coyotes. I mean, it'd be a little big for coyotes, but it doesn't really matter anyway, unless you're trying to save the hide. So if I could only own one gun, I'd probably own a 308. Um, let's see here. I got a 6.5 Creedmoor. That's actually the most expensive gun that I own. And I'll, again, I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I, I do, I really like that gun. I mean, it is a tack driver. I've been a little bit disappointed with the knockdown power in the 6.5. You know, it's, it's a little bit smaller bullet. It's cooking, but it's a little bit smaller bullet. Uh, the first deer I shot with it, I really just kind of expected it to, to drop and it didn't. I mean, it, it ran a little ways. Um, and again, like, you know, it wasn't like a huge deal. I think it still fell in the field. Um, but I was a little disappointed. Uh, I've killed a couple hogs with it. Same thing. Like, I mean, it, you know, typically I'm shooting hogs in the head and so that kind of drops them, but I've always just been like, not that I don't trust it, but I just, it, it doesn't have the umph that I kind of look for in a rifle. And so nothing bad about the six, five. I still feel comfortable shooting deer or just, you know, anything in the state of Oklahoma, pretty much with my six, five, you can shoot them really far away. Um, but it just, yeah, like I said, it just doesn't have that umph that I would want if I was only allowed to have like one rifle, probably, probably my favorite rifle on the planet. My, my big rifle, the rifle that I tend to grab the most is actually my 300 Win mag. Um, and basically I, I bought this rifle and I'm only shooting like 150 grain bullets, you know, kind of on the smaller end bullet wise. And man, it just shoots and it hammers things. It puts them down. Uh, part of the reason I bought this rifle actually was because uh, a good buddy of mine went to went to Africa, and I was asking him about what rifle, you know, if he was going to have to buy a new one, what he was going to take. And he was like, "No, nah, I'm just taking my 300 Win Mag." And I was like, "Oh, like you just, you know, shooting small little prairie game?" And he was like, "Oh, kind of, but I'll shoot some big stuff too." Um, and basically, and that's kind of why, like how I learned about the 300 Win Mag was it is actually a very, very versatile gun. Uh, like I said, I usually shoot just you know 150 grain bullets out of it. Great whitetail round. Uh, I think he was shooting 225, 225 grain bullets, and I mean he shot a couple wildebeest, zebras, like you know that big tough African game you're always hearing about. He did just fine with his 300 Win Mag. Oh man, there's some other like 3030. You know that's a great round. 270. I I started hunting with a 270 because my dad had one. All, another great round. And, you know, you also got to kind of think about the ha like where you're going to be hunting. If you're in western Oklahoma and it's way more wide open and you can shoot stuff really far away, you know, you might be a little more interested in like a 6.5 Creedmoor 300 Win Mag. If you're in eastern Oklahoma where I am, where you're barely ever going to be taking a shot over 200 yards, um, you know, maybe you want to look into knockdown power and you're not quite as concerned as reaching out there. A big concern with caliber right now is ammo. You know, what ammo can you find? Uh, 6.5 Creedmoor, very hard to come by right now. Uh, even 300 mag or Win Mag is pretty hard to find. Uh, you know, uh, like another check mark or plus mark for the 308. Uh, 308 is probably one of the most common rifle rounds that I've seen during this whole ammo shortage. And uh, like that played into my factor of, you know, if I could only have one gun, it would probably be a 308. Uh, ammo cost. The 308 is probably one of the cheapest rifles to buy. Uh, but the, the nice thing about it is like they make super cheap ammo if you just want to go out and have fun. But they also make really nice ammo if you're a serious hunter or, you know, you got a big hunt. Maybe you're that once in a lifetime elk hunt or something. 
you know, you don't have to buy a brand new gun. You just buy some nicer ammo. You can, you know, shoot a heavier bullet if you want to. And so for me, caliber wise, like I said, if I had to choose one caliber, it'd probably be the 308. What are some other popular ones off the top of my head? Let's see. You have some of the more like wildcat rounds. You have like the 26 Nosler, great deer uh, gun, but again, ammo is going to be hard to find. Uh, my brother has a 260 Remington. Absolutely loves it. I mean, that thing will shoot a country mile, literally. Um, but again, you're kind of struggling with that knockdown power thing. Uh, six millimeters getting popular. Uh, you know, again, that's one of those guns that's going to shoot really far. I would be a little concerned about the knockdown power. All these guns, though, as they're becoming more popular, you're seeing ammo manufacturers, you know, kind of answer the call for these heavier bullets for these super fast guns. And so, again, I'm not, I'm not going to say you can't kill a deer or a hog with any of these guns. You can. Um, but if you want that, like I said, I, you know, keep talking about that thump. Uh, you know, you might want to consider like a 6.5, 308, 300 Win Mag, 270, one of those types of guns. I almost left out the 30 out six. I've been, I knew I was missing one, and I, I threw out 30 30 earlier, but I was actually thinking, thinking of the 30 out six. You know, the 30 out six has probably killed more deer than just about any cartridge out there. Uh, great gun. You're just a little bit limited on your distance. Um, so. If I personally, if I was going to be looking into a larger caliber, you know, 30 caliber gun, I would probably pick the 300 Win Mag over the 30 out six. Um, again, like that bullet diversity, you can go big or you can go small, um, and you can do that too with the 30 out six. But it's just it's just not quite as common. Um, and so again, if I had to choose between those two, I would personally be picking the 300 Win Mag over the 30 out six. Alright, now that we've taken care of all the calibers, I want to talk about quality, gun quality. And I feel like one advantage I have, at least at this point on this podcast, is I have zero sponsors. I can say whatever I want about anybody I want. Don't have to worry about it. Um, and uh, so I want you to think to yourself, like, why do I own the guns that I own? You know, if they, if you inherited them, awesome. Maybe you've had them since you were younger, awesome. I have some of those. But basically, I hit a point in my life, um, you know, I graduated from college, I started working, I wasn't married, I had some money to throw around, and I just started buying guns, basically, like a young, single outdoorsman that I was, started buying guns. And uh, a couple years down the road, I kind of hit a point where I was looking around, and I owned all these kind of cheaper guns, like fairy tale guns that I had wanted since I was a kid, you know, I was buying revolvers and lever actions because i liked westerns as a kid and i always wanted one or you know some cheaper bolt action rifles and stuff because i thought they were a cool caliber or whatever and i hit this point where i was looking around and i was like man i like never shoot hardly any of these and it kind of dawned on me that i own guns because i like to hunt not necessarily because i like to just go out and shoot all these guns and so about three years ago I started, uh, you know, selling some guns, doing some horse trading and stuff. And instead of owning a whole bunch of guns that I hardly ever shoot, I basically bought two guns that were really nice that I really enjoy shooting. Um, like I said, I already had that twenty-two two fifty, so I had kind of my small caliber. And so I basically bought a medium caliber and a large caliber. And so... Basically, I, like I said, I sold several guns and ended up buying two. I bought a 6.5 Creedmoor. It's actually probably the most expensive gun that I own. And put a 
a pretty nice Vortex scope on it. And then I bought a Christensen 300 Wind Mag. Uh, I think it's the Christensen Ridgeline. It has the carbon fiber barrel and stuff. Uh, and then on that, I put a U.S. Optics, I believe it's a 3 to 15 by 50 scope on it. Uh, and so, like, I'm saying this, you know, on the air. Like, these are pretty nice guns. Um, I paid not that much. It was almost like I financed them because I had been buying all those other guns, like, slowly over time. And then sold them all. And just kind of the way the market was, and like, you know, people are buying a lot of guns right now. I was able to get, you know, pretty good money for them. And I bought these two rifles, and I don't regret it at all. You know, I know there's the old saying like "never sell a gun." I believed that for a long time, but uh, and I would and I would definitely say like don't sell any gun that has like emotional value to you. You know, don't sell your dad's gun or your grandpa's gun to do this. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, I want to talk about quality of rifles, and so. Um, you know, you can go down to Walmart and you can buy a decent gun. You can go to Cabela's or Bass Pro, um, you know, wherever you can go to these places and you can buy a lot of different guns. You can get a pretty decent gun for, you know, nowadays, probably six, $700, uh, you know, brand new. Um, but I guess for me, I just thought about like, like hunting is my passion. I'm going to use these guns a lot. I do a lot of hunting every year. Um, I like that's what I do. I hunt, and so uh, I spent the money. I bought these two really nice rifles. Like you know, again, like y'all can look it up anyway. That Christensen, that's about a two thousand dollar gun. Um, but I absolutely love it. And like I said, my six five is actually cost me a little bit more. But I love that Christensen so much that I actually carry it over my 6.5 most of the time, even though technically the other one is like a more expensive, nicer gun. This Christensen, it's light uh, because of that carbon fiber barrel. It shoots like a tack driver. It's awesome, lightweight, tons of punch. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't have to track anything. Like, that's the best part of it. Like, if I shoot something, it dies and it dies right there. And so, again, sold a bunch of my other cheaper guns, bought these two nice guns, and basically never looked back. And so, and if you're not in a, you know, financial position to where you can buy two of these things, I understand that. Like I said, I bought these before I was married. I didn't have a family and mortgage and all that good, fun stuff to worry about. Um, uh, but maybe you do have that stuff, you know, do one, you know, we already talked about all these calibers, pick you out a middle of the road caliber, you know, like a 308, 300 Win Mag, 65 Creedmoor, you know, maybe depending on where you are in the state, like we talked about. And like, you know, if you need to sell a couple guns, great. Maybe you got some junk laying around your yard, you can sell so you don't have to and do yourself a favor and go out and buy yourself one nice rifle and i'm talking nice i'm talking you know christensen weatherby seekins proof um on the little bit cheaper end you got like tika or brigera you know something in there uh maybe the higher end of like the browning x bolts or you know the higher end uh remington 700 something like that and then go out and get you a pretty nice scope to match it you know you don't want to buy a $1,500 rifle and then throw a $150 scope on it, you know, get some glass that's going to complement that rifle and allow you to use it to its potential. And again, like, I mean, having lots of, if, if shooting is your thing and you just like going out there and shooting guns, maybe this tip isn't for you. 
but if you're a hardcore hunter, you do a lot of hunting, you, you know, especially if you're going to go to multiple places. Um, like I said, like part of the reason I like and bought that 300 wind mag was so that I, I could go out West and hunt mule deer or elk if I get the chance to someday, which I really hope to. And trust me, once you have that gun that you absolutely love, you won't miss all those others that you gave up in order to have it. The last thing I have on this topic before we move on, please don't tell your spouses that I'm the one that gave you this advice and that I told you that you need to go buy a new gun uh, because I don't want a bunch of angry emails. And so go do it. Uh, do it wisely, though. Don't go uh, break the budget and you know give up your rent money to do this. You know, Do it smart. Save up for a little while if you need to. Like I said, sell some guns if you need to. But, uh, but yeah, do yourself a favor and go out and buy yourself one really nice rifle. The last topic I want to cover real quick before we close out, I want to give you guys some tips to make your current rifle better. Um, you know, maybe you can't afford or uh, for some whatever reason you can't go out and buy one of these nicer rifles and you're stuck with what you have. Don't worry, there are ways to make these rifles better and I got a few tips for you. Probably the number one way you can make almost any gun shoot more accurately or smaller groups is to buy a better stock for it. And there are tons of options out there in the market. You can go super nice and get you a, a McMillan or you know something like that, like the real high dollar ones. Those are going to obviously be the best. Uh, but nowadays there are a bunch of more affordable options. Um, I've had a couple Graybos. I really like those. Um, Boyd's stocks is another you know lower end one. You got Magpul, which has become very popular, and they now have two different models. They have kind of a lower end model, and then they have their super high end model that I thinks like a thousand bucks. It's kind of their more you know competition model. And so, but I I've looked up a few studies, and uh, I want I, I saw one I think it was put out by Field and Stream where they did this test, and you know they were shooting same gun, same ammo, all that good stuff. All they were doing was changing out the stocks. And I want to say, on average, they got 50% better, tighter groups by doing nothing but changing out the stock on their gun. Uh, he did say, you know, some of the stocks work better than others, and it, you know, it, it, you kind of have to find the one that works for your gun. Um, not that you should go out and buy 10 different stocks, you know, I'm not saying that, but, you know, kind of find your price level, order one. And if it's not shooting quite right, there are some tweaks you can make. Um, I'm not going to go into all that. You know, if you need to, you can take it somewhere and have them bed it, uh, where it's basically like they put liquid cement inside the stock. Um, I've had one or two, uh, a buddy of mine knew how to do that and did it for me on one or two of my rifles, and it worked great. And so, like I said, if you, you know, if, if, if buying a new gun is just out of the question for you, maybe buying a new stock is something that you can't afford and you can do right now. And, and even on that bedding thing, like you could do that to your current stock and improve it. You know, if you just have the the synthetic stock that came on your gun when you bought it, you know, take it to a gunsmith or do some YouTubing and bed that sucker and it'll improve your accuracy most likely. Uh, the next thing, kind of a, a no-brainer type thing to improve your gun is upgrade your scope. Uh, now, that is not actually going to make your gun shoot better. But it is going to upgrade your ability to shoot. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying you have to go higher in power. Um, I've actually kind of been stepping my power back as I've gotten older and gotten more experienced. Uh, I'm really talking about like the quality of glass. Um, 
you know, let's I'm I'm going to use Vortex as an example. I have a couple Vortex scopes. I think for the price, they are a fantastic scope and they're super popular. So I'm just going to use them as an example. Uh, you know, you can buy a three to five by forty scope in a bunch of different models, and you know, bunch of different price points. And you know, if, if for those of you who don't know, the reason you're paying more for those high the, the higher model scopes is not because you get a higher zoom. Like I said, you could buy a 3 to 9 by 40 and for 150 or you can pay 1000 for that same zoom range. What you're paying for is higher quality glass. It's going to make it clear, it's going to bring in more light. Uh you know, you, it will help you shoot better close to dark or early in the morning. Um uh, a lot of it has to do with like anti-fog. Uh, you know, some of them have like different mixtures of gas inside the scope to keep it from fogging up or to help it stay more clear. Um, and so upgrading your scope can be a really good way to improve your shooting. Um, but not only that, just a scope that will hold a zero. You know, a lot of your cheaper scopes uh, and, and one thing that cheap scope companies do to sell more scopes is they increase the power range. You know, they'll give you a, instead of a three to nine, they'll give you a four to 12 and they'll put a higher price tag on it, but it's still not that great of a scope. You just give you, they give you a little more zoom. Uh, but I've had some cheaper scopes that just would not hold a zero. And so you go out there, you shoot it and it seems like it's off. You resight it in and you feel like you're good to go. Next time you bring out to shoot it, all of a sudden it's two inches to the right and you don't really know why. So you sight it in again, shoot it a couple times, you're all good. Next time you shoot it, all of a sudden it's four inches low. And a lot of times what that is, that's just a cheap scope. And as you carry it around, you know, it gets tossed and turned and banged around. It's just not going to hold that zero. Uh, but these nicer scopes are going to do that. And so it may seem like something's wrong with the gun, but a lot of times it's probably something that's wrong with the scope. Um, and man, that's another thing. Like I absolutely baby my guns and scopes now. Uh, I used to just throw it in the back of the truck and, um, you know, kind of forget about it. I don't do that anymore. I've missed too many critters, you know, mostly hogs and stuff, uh, because I wasn't taking care of my scope and it got knocked off and wasn't shooting where it wanted it to. And so, uh, I basically always have my gun in at least a soft case. Even if I'm just setting it in the back seat, I almost always have my gun in a soft case. If I'm going to take it somewhere, you know, if I'm driving to a buddy's property or, you know, an out of state trip or something, I'm going to have that baby in a hard case. And even when I have it in a hard case, if possible, I'm going to have it in the back seat of my truck and not in the bed because it's just, you get that extra cushion. Uh, you know, you don't run the risk of, banging something or you know if you hit a bump it's gonna you know i'd rather it come down on that nice soft leather seat or not leather mine aren't leather <laughs> i'd rather it come down on that nice cloth seat than come down on that hard metal bed in the back of the truck and so just taking care of your gun and your scope is going to help you out out in the field because it's going to keep you safe i want to hit one last thing with scopes before we close it out because i i just feel like it's a good spot to throw this in there uh, I am actually becoming a bigger fan of the less powerful scopes than I am the more powerful scopes. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier that, uh, on my, uh, 300 wind mag, I had a, uh, three to 15. Uh, I, I pulled it out of the safe and double checked cause I knew that didn't sound right. It's actually a 2.5 to 20. And so on that low end, I can go all the way down to 2.5 power. 
Um, I had uh, an older 300, the one that I got when I went to Idaho. That's one of the guns I sold in order to buy this nicer one. Um, I I put a four to I don't know four to sixteen scope on it or something. And what I found was when I was back here in, uh, hunting in Oklahoma. It, I didn't like having it on four power because a lot of times I was hunting kind of closer in timbered areas. And I, I thought that like even on low power, I had too much zoom, especially because I only had a 40 millimeter lens on that scope. And so it had a pretty narrow uh, field of view and in that high power or high low power, it just didn't make for a good combination. And so I really, if I can, I really like 50 millimeter lenses, you know, get that big, nice wide field of view and then couple that with a nice low power range. Uh, one of my favorite scopes I have, I don't know, I, I had, like I said, I've sold a bunch of these now, but I, at one time I had two or three uh, Zeisses, kind of a good upper middle range scope. And they made a 2 to 10 by 50. Uh, I think that's what it was. And I absolutely loved those suckers because you had that nice low end for up-close work. But if you needed to, you could zoom it in. Had that big, wide field of view. I think it was by 42, actually, not 50. I think it was 2 to 10 by 42. Um, but anyway, yeah, I love. I actually love having that low end. Again, if you're out in western Oklahoma and you're not going to shoot anything inside of 50 yards, maybe that higher low power is okay so that you can have a higher top end power. Um yeah, but again, like like I said, with these with these, you know, the nicer, higher end scope you go, the bigger the range you're going to have, and you're still going to have good quality with that range. And so, just wanted to throw that out there real quick while we were talking about weapons, because uh, you know your scope is just as important as your rifle. And you know, there's the old uh, golden rule of thumbs: you should spend more on your scope than you should your rifle. I don't quite hold to that. I don't quite have that bankroll. You know, maybe someday. Uh, but definitely don't, uh, underscope yourself. And, you know, if you, especially if you bought a cheaper end rifle that maybe came with a cheap scope with it and you're not happy with it, you know, it could be the scope and not the rifle. So that's an easy switch out you can do. Um, most people can do that themselves. If not, most, uh, a lot of gun stores will do that for free or a very small charge. And so, so yeah, a quick overcap of this rifle section, um, you know, choose the right caliber for you. If you can, buy yourself one really nice gun. If you can't, maybe a st an upgraded stock is a good option for you. And no matter what rifle you have or buy, you can always, always upgrade your scope. I think that's going to do it for today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I hope it's got you thinking about what you're going to be hunting with this upcoming fall. I hope it encouraged you to, to take some steps to improve your equipment and not only that, but just improve how you use it. You know, get out there, make sure you're practicing this summer. Don't just let, you know, the season sneak up on you and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'll just grab old trusty here and run out to the stand. You know, use your equipment this summer, practice with it. I know that's a little difficult right now with the ammo shortage going on, but it seems like things are slowly, very slowly coming back. I've actually seen a little bit of ammo in stores. Uh, I was in Bass Pro Shop about, I don't know, a week or so ago in Oklahoma City, and I actually saw some on the store or on the shelves. Um, so who knows? Maybe things are kind of slowly coming back. Uh, you know, if you're bow hunting, then it's super easy to get back in your backyard and fling some arrows or head out to a range or a pasture or something. Just don't let this whole summer go by without getting out there and practicing a little bit. 
Uh, I am stoked for this upcoming hunting season, guys. Um, I'm working on getting some new properties, like I talked about. I'm going to knock on some doors. Uh, I am counting down the days. I think today, I think it's 143 days uh, from the time I'm recording this to October 1st. So, yeah. I'm super pumped. Uh, I'm sitting here. I like I've been talking about guns. It makes me want to go like play with mine and stuff. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you guys are heard enough from me today. Uh, please, please uh, leave me a nice five star review on this podcast. Keep reaching out to me on social media. Um, and yeah, that's going to do it for today. Again, thanks for listening. I love all you guys, and I will see you guys right back here next week. <laughs>